1: Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Cramerica. I'll do it with my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. With Christmas and Hanukkah right around the corner, how about we make a wish? Sure, this was a great day. Uh, Dow gaining 78 points, S&P climbing 0.49%, NASDAQ advancing 0.42%, and it's been a fantastic year. But we are not done. That's why I'm going to give you the list. The list of a dozen presents I'm hoping for, because there are, after all, 12 days of Christmas. And I want my true love, the market, to give them all to me. These are a little bit oddball, and some of them, frankly, sappy. But I mean them. I want you to have these presents, too. First, I want another year where the averages go higher, so the people who own stocks make money. Now, I know that sounds simplistic, but given the long-term track record of the market... And the pitiful returns you're really getting from bonds and the fact that so many people seem to not even want to be in stocks anymore, I think investing is an imperative. Now, I listened to the Democratic debate last night, and some of those candidates don't seem to think that the stock market's that important. They think that what matters is putting food on the table. I get where they're coming from. But I think that they're making a mistake. First of all, They're not mutually exclusive. If you can afford to invest in the stock market, you should do it, because stocks are the greatest engine of wealth creation in history. We should be making it easier for regular people to participate in that wealth creation, rather than resigning ourselves to a world where the market is the exclusive playground of the already rich. Look, I used to live in the backseat of my Ford Fairmont, for heaven's sake. But even then, I saved money and I invested. I found a way. It was small dollars, but I did it. Now, thanks to the power of compound interest, I did very. Very well for myself. I want you to have the same opportunity. I don't want you to be discouraged. Second, I am wishing the economy will keep growing without much inflation. That's the single best environment for stocks to go higher, and the results for 2019 prove it. Third, I wish the Federal Reserve. Uh, The chair, Jay Powell, will continue this newfound policy of not raising interest rates when he doesn't have to and cutting them when it's necessary. Powell's become data dependent, gloriously data dependent, like his predecessor, Janet Yellen, used to be. And that's all you can ask for from a Fed chief. Fourth. I want companies with good managements and good growth prospects to see their stocks rewarded more than companies with bad management or bad growth. That kind of differentiation rewards individual stock picking. And I'm a big believer in stock picking as long as you already have put some money away into an index fund, a boring S&P fund. Fifth, I want people to own Apple. OK, I don't want them to trade it. I want you to stop freaking out every time an analyst tries to scare you from this thing, as Tony Saginaw from Bernstein did by, uh, just today by saying that the, uh, some one of the accessories is going to do really well this year and then plummet next year. Facts. Six. I want millennials to keep investing. This is important. One of the most exciting and positive developments that I've seen in ages is that Robinhood, the disruptive online brokerage app, now has 10 million accounts, most of which have been opened by millennials in a very short period of time. Younger investors can afford to take risks that older ones simply can't. If they get wiped out, they have their whole lives ahead of them to make that money back. And let's remember, you can buy fractional shares. Seventh, I want the Armageddonists to finally be held accountable because they're always wrong, but they never seem to have to get their comeuppance. Their negativity has cost ordinary investors fortunes because they feel compelled to to deny and denigrate every move up. These permanent bears have given an outrageous free ride. Everybody gives them a free ride. I want that to stop. Eighth, I'm wishing the mergers... For many more mergers, I and mean, we had a lot this year. For example, there are way too many oil companies. Let's have Chevron by Pioneer, please. Let's have Conoco step up EOG. Apache, give up already. We've had too many retailers. Kohl's should sell itself to Amazon. Macy's should merge with and Burlington Stores with Ross Stores. We have too many semiconductor companies. Marvell Tech, please sell yourself to Texas Instruments or Analog, both of which need 5G exposure. Skyworks Solutions, would you please merge with NXP or Corvo? There are way too many cybersecurity companies. Palo Alto, please buy CyberArk. Proofpoint merged with Fortinet they'd go to higher. Then, there are too many drug companies. Alvartis, Merck, Pfizer, Bristol-Myers, Eli Lilly, AbbVie, Johnson Johnson. Surely there's got to be some deal there lurking. I could go on and on, but it's just plain true that we have way too many companies that need to find ways to accelerate growth. Buying another business is the fastest way to get it done. Ninth, I want fewer IPOs. We don't have much new money coming in from the sidelines, so every time investors want to buy some newly minted IPO, they need to sell something else. That's how deals put pressure on the market. It was too easy to come public for most of the year until the WeWork debacle. Plus, while venture capitalists may be fine with financing rapidly growing companies that lose money, this market now demands at least a a, a scintilla of profitability, so the bankers need to raise the bar of what's coming public. And, please, stop it with the bogus Chinese companies that are clobbering this market. Tenth, I want the tech companies I like to change their names so that people can understand what they really do. I mean, who needs a name change? All right, how about Okta, Coupa, PagerDuty, MongoDB, Zscaler, 5.9, Live and Go, and Zendesk. All these companies sound like someone should be saying, Zscaler, how can I help you? When I was in San Francisco earlier this year, my daughter took a walk with me and saw some of these companies' signs. She she tells me, Dad, I want to be the chief operating officer of, Then she closes her eyes, she spins around, she spots a building, and said, "Octa." I asked her, Do you even know what Okta does? Her response was priceless. No, nobody else does either. So who cares? She's kind of right. They need to change the names to something more descriptive. 11th, I I, I want the Chinese government, listen to me, maybe I'll get your attention this way. I want the Chinese government to start playing ball on trade. This shouldn't be that hard. Right now, China has the highest pork prices in the world. Their herds are dying from swine flu. please. We have the lowest prices in the world for hogs. And we're the only country with the spare capacity to meet China's voracious demand for the other white meat. This should be an easy, positive thing to do. That's the easy part. More difficult, I want, I want them to let our companies do business over there without being forced into bogus joint ventures, local competitors. I want them to stop stealing their intellectual property. Oh, and while I'm at it, could they adopt some sort of meaningful uh, environmental policy that doesn't include coal? Twelfth, I wish for Boeing to fix the 737 Max. I want them to get it certified and back in the air. Boeing is a great American company. It should do what great American companies do and get this done. They should approach it with the same intensity they brought to World War II when this company made nearly 100,000 planes for the war effort. I reiterate, get it done. Be open. Tell us what you did today. Tell us what you're going to do tomorrow. Open the logs. Tell us everything. If the current leadership isn't willing to Go there and do that. The board should bring in someone else who will get some professionals in there to take away the mystery. And that's what it is, a mystery. I am a huge backer. Boeing. no, I am Boeing's biggest backer in the media, bar none. And there's not a day that goes by where I don't get the sense that they're hiding something. The bottom line, look, I know it's an eclectic list, but what can I say? I'm an eclectic guy. Oh, notice it's an election year. I didn't pass judgment on the candidates. That's another guy. That's a different show. When I put on my Mad Money hat, though. I just want to help you make money. David in Ohio. David!
0: Mr. Kramer of Big Columbus Blue Jackets and Ohio State Buckeyes. Happy holidays and hello to you.
1: I think that's good. I we had a guy a who minute. went to uh, uh, that other school, the, uh, the, uh, Clemson, the other day. I, 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 he, I, now,
0: we're going with you. What's up? <laughs> Wonderful. I wanted to take a minute first to express my sincerest gratitude to you after reading every book you've written five times over, finding every article I can penned by you, watching every interview you've been a part of and reading voraciously at the street.com. I've been able to leave a traditional career at age 37 for the past several years. I've made a full-time successful career managing my own portfolio of stocks and options.
1: Holy cow, I wish my mom Bye. were alive. I mean, as he said, you are a good man. Thank you very much. And I want to wish you a happy holidays <laughs> and Merry so
0: Christmas. Uh, Sandy you, thank you. You're a great man. My thank question you. today is about Roku. I actually own Deep in the Money Call, but I use the actual stock as a trading vehicle. Unlike most vehicles that tend to be valued as a function of earnings multiples, Roku seems to be traded on multiples of revenue and appears mm-hmm. to be a slave to algorithmic trading.
1: Right. This- and here's the way I feel about that. I think Roku's moved too much, and I don't want you to buy it up here. I think there are other plays, cord-cutting de- trade desk. I, I I feel better about that one. So uh, let's just be a little careful. I think the one has had a pretty darn big run. All right, uh, what 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 am I asking for? What is the 12 Days of Kramer? Well, here we go. Right, uh, this wish list is what I want to see most as we near 2020. Oh man, money tonight! Is this the season of giving? And Arrowhead and InMode have already gifted you too much. But is it time to take the money and run? I'm going to give you my take. Then Tesla's electric in the market. But can its moves continue in 2020? I'm going to give you the answer. And what are paychecks earnings this week signal about the overall job market as well as the stock? I'm talking with the CEO. So stay with
2: Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer, hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnBC.com.
0: I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe.
1: As we approach the end of a terrific year for the averages, don't forget one of the most important rules in investing. Paper gains don't count. A win is only a win when you ring the register. That's why you always need to be willing to take profits while you still have them. Remember, they can go away. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. Two stocks that I recommended just a few months ago as homework items. Arrowhead Pharmaceuticals, which people have called about endlessly, okay? And InMode, a speculative drug company and a speculative medical device maker. Both of these stocks have been fabulous performers. Arrowhead, it's more than doubled, up 112%, since I recommended it in mid-September. And InMode's rallied 70% since I got behind it in mid-October. I make a lot of mistakes, got these right. Now, I also want to thank Michael and Joe from New York who brought these stocks to my attention in phone calls because they potentially made our viewers a ton of money. Michael and Joe, you both got horse sense. First time, all time. Still, when you catch such enormous moves over the span of two or three months, you got to take something off the table. This is about logic. Letting your gains ride in speculative stocks is lunacy. Remember, that is why I teach over and over again that bulls make money... The bears make money, but the hogs they get slaughtered. Don't be a greedy pig. However, Arrowhead and Enmode are both fantastic stories, which is why you should only sell off a portion of your position. Now, if you don't eat, own either one yet, it would be pretty terrific. If they came in a little, maybe you do some buying. I still have conviction that they're headed higher. But you know what? When a stock doubles and you've listened to the, on the show and that's where you got it, I, I, I feel somewhat responsible. I shouldn't. It's yours. You pulled the trigger. But I don't want you to give it back. So why did these two names catch fire? More importantly, why do I think it's worth sticking with them after a pair of remarkable moves? Let's take them one by one, starting with Arrowhead. When Michael in New York first asked me about it this in July, the stock was already up more than 100% for the year. I was, I was circumspect. By the time I got behind in October, It tacked on another four points, running from 26 to 30. Now, normally I hate chasing stocks, as you know, after gigantic rallies. But when I looked into Arrowhead, the story was so compelling that I had to recommend it. See, this company is a development-stage gene therapy play, meaning it doesn't make money, with its own unique approach to treating intractable genetic disorders. Arrowhead's got this technology that I have to tell you we're somewhat enamored of on the show. It's called RNA inference. Think of RNA as the messenger inside your cells that takes the blueprints from your genes and makes them a reality. When you have a genetic disorder, your RNA ends up carrying the wrong message. So Arrowhead's technology shoots the messenger. No messenger, no problem. The company believes they can use this platform to treat a wide variety of ailments, and big pharma seems to agree with them. That's why they have some hugely significant partnerships with Amgen on a cardiovascular drug, with J&J on a treatment for hepatitis B. While Arrowhead's stock had experienced a monster run, that's because the company kept putting up very positive clinical trial data, so I I felt comfortable enough to give it my blessing. Then a month later, we got a chance to check in with Arrowhead's CEO, Dr. Christopher Anceloni right before the company's big R&D day. He told a terrific story. Listen to this. I think that, that what they saw was a really powerful technology that, as you say, can silence genes that cause disease. Um, and it, it, it is a hyper-specific process whereby we can, we can silence a single gene. Uh, and it is now a validated technology, so we know it works. We know that we can do it in a well-tolerated manner. Uh, and to the extent that we choose the right genes, uh, we could have a, a, a substantial effect on people's lives. Then at the analyst meeting the next day, the CEO explained that by the end of the next year, they expected to have at least seven wholly owned drug candidates in clinical trials, with three of them in phase three trials, as well as two partner programs in phase two. The stock quite far on the news, and since Tenero has made appearances at a series of health care conferences, always with bullish data and always applauded by the money managers in the room. Meanwhile, the stock started getting attention from the analyst community, and as these small-cap speculative names get discovered by Wall Street, they tend to roar higher as one after another analyst gets behind them. Then in late November, we got a pair of boosts. First, one of Arrowhead's main competitors got acquired by Novartis for big premium, making the stock look a lot more attractive. Then the company reported, and while the actual numbers don't really matter for early-stage biotech management, uh, they confirmed they'd be putting two more drugs into clinical trials next year. And that sent the stock up another 19%. Now, Arrowhead's peaked at 73, not long after, because earlier this month, the company announced a secondary offering uh, that caused the stock to get hammered. The secondary period uh, priced at $58. What a buying opportunity that was. It's already bounced back to the mid-60s as of today. I think it does have more room to run. So if you don't own Arrowhead, it's not too late. I like Again, like a little more pullback. But if you did buy this thing, on well, my recommendation, think about how much you're up, take some of the money out, and let the rest run. It's the responsible thing to do. Same goes for InMode. That's the medical device maker that came public in August, right before the IPO window slammed shut. Thanks to the WeWork fiasco, the stock had run from the mid-teens to the mid-twenties when I circled back to it mid-October. But I told you it was worth speculating on it, just like Arrowhead. Why? Because Inmost got a great concept. They make minimally invasive energy-based systems that are used for face and body contouring, medical aesthetics and women's health. Their technology lets them use radio waves that penetrate your skin and remodel the fat tissue underneath so you can get the equivalent of a facelift or liposuction without the need for invasive surgery. I was very attracted to this because I figured you would not Philly cheesesteaks from Geno. You should get these guys going. We love medical aesthetics here on Mad Money because people are really vain. What can I say? We love anything that gets patients out of the hospital faster, too. That saves the system money. Plus, InMode had terrific financials. The company growing at a 55% clip, and it's actually profitable with a host of new products being rolled out in the near future. Best of all, the stock was selling for just 15 times next year's earnings estimates. I don't know. seems pretty, pretty good to me. And hey, it was. m new product launches went off without a hitch. And when the company reported its latest quarter in early November, they shot the lights out. They posted higher than expected sales growth, up 57% over the year, and acceleration versus the previous quarter. That's accelerating revenue growth. We love that. And on top of that, they gave you a monster 12-cent earnings speed off the 30-cent basis. Technology as, is as terrific as, as it sounds, which is allowing these guys to take market share all over the world. It was a picture-perfect quarter. No wonder the stock's been a huge winner. And hey, even after this run, in mode's still ridiculously cheap, we're selling for just 20 times its 2021 out years earnings estimates. I could easily see growth-oriented managers paying 40 times that number. Long story short, InMode and Arrowhead, the companies, are looking better than ever. But the stocks, they've made some enormous moves. And if you own them, I think you need to take something off the table. Given how much they've run, I'd sell, I don't know, I would sell you as much as half of your position. Arrowhead, maybe a third in InMode? The bottom line, when speculative stocks catch fire, you need to ring the registry for a gigantic gain. But please, don't sell everything. And if you don't own them, feel free on any pullback to buy, because Arrowhead and InMode, they have a lot going for them, and they may have a lot going for them for years and years ahead. Jim in Florida, Jim.
0: Hi, Jim. How are you? Uh, first of all, thank you for everything.
1: Oh, you're and, quite welcome.
0: Uh, I'm interested. Seattle Genetics has had a great run. They have so much good information coming out. They're up 102% this year. Do we stay with them? Yes, with the, uh, yes. We cancer? met this
1: company. We met this company many years ago. They have many shots on goal, which is what's, which why we like it. It's a really good company going up, not on takeover, not on takeover talk, not on rumors, but on substance. Brian in New York, Brian. Booyah, Kramer. Yeah. Listen, yesterday you were talking about the different IPOs from 2019, like Lyft and Uber, etc. My question to you is about Change Healthcare, C-H-N-G. I wanted to know
0: your... uh,
1: I have uh, met with these guys privately. I really like them. I've seen them do a bunch. These guys are very good. Uh, And I think that this is... uh, It merged because the P-E is not expensive. It it, it merged uh, uh, buying. I think it's very good. I wish they'd come on the show. They're very smart. All right. When some of your spec stocks catch fire, please don't be greedy. Consider ringing the register. But don't go crazy and sell all of it, just sell some. And if you don't own Arrowhead or InMode, you know what? You should consider position on a pullback. They are up a great deal. Much more Mad Money ahead. I'm going to sit down with the CEO of Paychecks to find out what he's seeing in the labor market. Then. With the year drawing to a close, I'm turning on, I'm turning in my outstanding assignments. I haven't done all the homework that I need to do, and you saw what happens if I wait, we miss some pretty good ones. Do not miss tonight's homework, please. Uh, you know what though? First thing give you my take on Tesla. Don't make a move before having you know, you gotta hear the Tesla piece. Stay with Kramer. What the heck, what the heck is happening with the stock of Tesla? I mean, and where did the sellers go? Do you remember the sellers? They were there every day, every point, for ages, keeping the stock in the low 200s for ages. They wouldn't let it lift. But suddenly, when the stock's up huge, bursting through the $40 level, they're gone, disappeared. No sellers the stock opens higher every morning like clockwork, and there's no resistance. Hasn't had any since they reported a surprisingly strong set of figures at the end of October. What happened? Why did it change? Why did the sellers disappear? Why are they nothing but buyers? Let's go over the reasons. Okay, first, earnings. That's right, earnings. There are now real earnings projections, and they are spectacular Analysts think they're going to earn $5 per share next year, $10 per share in 2021. That's growth, real growth. These are consensus estimates. Many analysts have vetted them. They actually may happen. And that means Tesla, well, let's just say it's a heck of a lot better if you like growth stocks than a Ford or a GM. All right. Profitable growth is what most of these money managers want. And that's what matters in the auto industry. Nobody else has it except for Tesla. Second, ingenuity, yes, so many automakers were supposed to roll out truly competitive products, genuine, well-engineered electric cars with real cachet by now. They're supposed to be. They're supposed to be out there. I mean, hey, especially the Germans. Looks like eh, they're a lot harder to make than people thought because the competition just simply isn't there. So much for German engineering. Third, Elon Musk Let's talk about him for a second. I mean, he's gone, quite frankly, for me, a liability to being an asset. Not long ago, he seemed like he was constantly on the verge of either a nervous breakdown or perhaps some sort of, like, egomaniacal trip that none of us else were on. He was. And that's no longer the case. Now, we don't know if he's gotten his life together. I sure hope so. Uh, But as investors, what matters is that he's not doing anything self-destructive in public anymore. Bust no longer teasing the SEC, which I hated. He's no longer trashing the analysts, which I thought was funny. He's much more like a normal CEO. He runs a good, thorough conference call. That October one was fantastic. Gives an occasional speech and is otherwise, uh, I never thought I'd say this, non-controversial. Elon Musk for lack of a better term is like his rocket ship. He's boring. You know what? I like boring, particularly in a CEO. Fourth, now that Tesla's profitable and on track to break in the earnings next year, it's very really easy for them to raise all the money they need. For years I heard that Tesla could never turn a profit. Then I heard that if they do make a profit it's all mumbo jumbo and accounting ledger to mad bogus. Now I hear nothing. If Tesla earns even half of what the analysts are expecting next year, i got to tell you something. It will be no problem for them to raise billions of dollars and just be able to put up factory after factory. Fifth, we used to hear all of these stories from the bears about how there was always an excess of Teslas, excess in inventory, that somehow Tesla had made far too many cars and it didn't make any money on them anyway. Yeah, made cars and lost money in each one. The bears have now gone silent on that issue. As Tesla, excellent. As Tesla automa- uh, is now an automaker that seems to have uh, endless demand and no excess supply. I mean, you know, all the other guys, you always have to hear the price cutting. I don't do that. I don't do that with Tesla. Six, Musk was actually able to build a gigantic factory in China in an astounding short 10 months. As someone who's been involved in building even the smallest of factories, I can tell you that's astounding. In fact, it's better than Intel, which I always regard as the single greatest manufacturer, builder of factories in America. But they can't build new plants faster than Tesla. It takes about 18 months for theirs. You might think that's not, uh, not a good comparison because Intel's a semiconductor company. But, you know, they've long been considered the gold standard for greenfield factory buildouts. I now think the gold standard is Tesla. Seventh: the solar panel business remember that one? They bought that? It seemed like it was the wrong idea. It's going from a negative to a positive. must somehow has been able to reduce the cost of these panels to the point where the payback's almost immediate. And sh- a- 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 their panels look like uh, regular roof tiles. There's no reason not to do it. My wife's ordering them. Eighth. The cars keep improving with each new iteration. They still have tremendous pizzazz and the flatulence button, even when a rock gets thrown through the supposedly unbreakable window of the Cybertruck. I thought that thing was hideous, but there's no accounting for taste. Millennials loved it. I hate millennials. Ninth, charging stations have become ubiquitous, and they're easily found via the web. I found like four right near me once I just learned to Google. I used the Google box, uh, and it makes electric cars much more viable. Uh, tenth, it turns out that many of the sellers, they were short sellers. They were not longs ringing the register. These shorts have disappeared or they're covering because it's hard to short a red hot stock like Tesla when you don't have a real thesis. Now, I can't own stocks personally, and Tesla's not the kind of name that we would buy for the Chapel Trust. But I've got to tell you, I've liked this thing ever since that rock went through the Cybertruck window, and I got into an X and thought it was fabulous. And I like it just as much today, even as it nears the legendary 420 level that Mr. Musk said could be a reality. Stay with Kramer. We have got a booming economy with what's arguably the best job market in half a century. Yet the big payroll processors have spent the last six months trading sideways. Consider the case of Paychex, Kramer fave, which is the payroll processor of choice for small, medium-sized businesses with a rapidly growing human resources outsourcing division. While the stock is up more than 31% year-to-date, it's pretty much flatlined since June, even though the economy is in better shape. Some of that's because the Fed cut interest rates, so that takes money out of Paychex's pocket because they collect interest while they wait for you to cash your check. Still, the company reported a terrific quarter two days ago. It's a classic beat and raise with tremendous strength in the human resources division, and after initially rallying two bucks, the stock ended up closing down. So is the stock really gathering its strength before making another move higher next year, as is usually the case? Or is there something other, some other thing that is making it tread water? Let's check in with Marty Musi. He is the president and CEO of Paychex. You get a better sense of the quarter and where his company is headed. Mr. Musi, happy holidays and welcome back to Mad Bunny.
2: Thanks, Jim. Happy holidays. Great to be here.
1: Okay, so, Maria, I go over this quarter, and I, start, I said, that's it. Since Oasis, whatever, we just got to call this a human resources company that also issues paychecks and advises companies on how to handle complex issues involving payroll, benefits, insurance, and HR. Isn't that the way I should think of it?
2: Uh, absolutely. I think the only thing you left out was it's become much more of a tech company. You know, we've talked about it. That's the way service has gone. It's technology and our innovation that we've done over the last five, six years in particular, and the products we've introduced have really positioned us well to be an HR tech company of the future for our well, clients.
1: Well, the reason I mentioned this, Marty, and I'm glad you confirmed that, is because there are still analysts who, after a quarter's reported, say things about a different division. Well, that the Fed cut rates, or that there's something slowing in this and a PEO division, and they're missing the point which is you're becoming more cloud-based and you're becoming less sensitive to the actual growth of the economy, even though it does matter, which is why they don't understand stock goes down and then spends the next three months going higher. They don't understand it, Marty. Is that uh, something that you can change?
2: Well, we try, Jim. You know, we talk on the call very much the last few calls about the technology, the innovation that we've produced. This month, we just put out pay-on-demand, so our clients, their employees, their employees, can now take out their pay as they earn it, and not only is it like some other companies where it will go in their bank, but it can go on their Amazon or PayPal account, it can go direct deposit, it can go on their pay card and we have a lot of data uh, analytics that are being used by our clients now to help them retain and hire people and engage in their engage them in their businesses so it 's a lot more about tech, which is exactly what the clients and their employees are looking for
1: at the same time. Uh, there are uh, mistakes that people are going to make without paychecks. There were The papers were filled with articles today, Marty, about the significant changes coming to retirement plans. Frankly, I found them too difficult. I didn't understand what's going to happen in my 401K. I didn't understand the IRA cap. I didn't understand what to do uh, and could easily make mistakes if I didn't have someone who would understand. Would I be able to go to paychecks and say, what the heck does this mean?
2: Well, absolutely. Retirement business has been one that we've been in for well over 20 years. It's very solid. It's one of the constant growers of 7 or 8% a year. And the new SECURE Act that uh, is going to be passed here, completely passed, is something that gives tax benefits to clients for not only participation, but in initially signing up for setting up a 401k. And we think that that's going to be a great help to retirement savings. We're going to help our clients. Tax benefits are going to come to them. Not only that, but Jim, I think I've mentioned before that our mobility app now, using, being used by our clients' employees... They can sign up and participate in a 401k of their employer with as little as four clicks. And that is helping participation rates. That's making it a better plan for the employer as well.
1: Okay, you know, I use paychecks in many of my different companies. And my employees say that they wish that the login system was a little easier Now, they're not young. They're not millennials. Okay, Um, they found a little cumbersome. And I think that they just feel like that it's too hard. Uh, Employees in my in their 50s and 60s, like me, are still a little uh, we need help. Can you make it a little more simple for us?
2: Well, yeah, I think so. And in fact, we now have uh, automated uh, answers to questions. If you have any questions, when you come on the app. And, and we're, we've now introduced this month short videos. So it may be that millennial generation that looks for that, but we can give you the answer. We can give you a step-by-step on how to do something. We can also give you a short video that shows you how to do something if you're looking for your check stub, your W-2, or if you're the client and looking how to process overtime or something like that. And we always are mo- trying to make it easier. We're getting a five-star out of five on our mobile app, so we're feeling good. But we're always trying to make it simpler. That's what Paychex is oh, all about.
1: That is great. And I do. Uh, and my employees will thank you, especially for the video. All right. Let's speak about the economy. I saw that you are now getting we're getting now more employees per company. But we're still not getting the, we're not getting the, the really the company formation that I certainly would feel uh, in, in a more optimistic time. I'm wondering whether the country's pessimistic, even as the existing companies grow.
2: Well, I do think, you know, what we saw in the Paycheck Small Business Index last month was the highest wage growth, 3.1 percent, that we've seen uh, since 2011. And we've also seen the hours worked per week are up the highest in three years. So I think both of those are showing a stronger economy. The wages are going up because I have the demand as a small business, and I need the employees, and the wages are up across all wage earners. It used to be minimum wages driving it. Now every level of wages are seeing an increase. That means there's demand, and I'm paying more for my employees to hire and retain them because I've got the demand. I think that bodes well for a strong economy. Well, let me
1: ask you, I watch, I'm not political, but I watched a debate last night, and uh, some of these candidates, I don't think that people can save. If you are getting that kind of increase, and we got all these new rules that mean to me make it easier to do a 401k or an IRA, do you expect the saving rate to go up?
2: Uh, I do. I would think so because you're getting the wage increase. I think we're seeing that retirement plans, as we mentioned, is going to, are going to be easier. Uh, they're easier to sign up for. They're easier to participate in. You have much more flexibility. I do think the savings are going to go up, but I think that he, the consumers, the confidence is pretty solid, and I do think businesses are feeling like the demand is there, so they're going to continue to pay the wages. The jobs are the job growth is is flat, but an increase, but it's still there. So I do think it's a good economy for consumers and for small businesses in particular. Well,
1: I'm going to leave it at that because I like that optimistic note. It's also actually empirically correct. Thank you so much to Marty Musi, President <laughs> CEO of Paychex. Good okay. to see you, sir. Thanks, Jim. This stock goes down every time for the same reason I told you, which is that the analysts don't get it, and then it keeps rallying. That's how it goes up 30%. That's why I remain steadfast that it's a buy, and I've felt that way since the stock was in the 30s. They money's back in. Do the break. It is time! It's <laughs> time for the light. It's time for We've got to be a fast one, so are you ready? Steve, that is time for the light. I'm going to let someone do water. I'm going to
0: Yes, hi, Jim. And my question is about the Enterprise Product partner. It's the
1: only one of the pipeline companies that I'm so recommending. Rob! Bob in Wisconsin. Bob! Booyah, Jim, from the Cheesehead State. Go Packers. Your thoughts on Jack Henry and Associates. I like FinTech, but uh, MasterCard's my fave. John and Maryland. John!
0: Hey, Jim, thanks for my call. You're welcome. After watching the uh, after watching Dave Faber's interview with John Malone, I've jumped on Discovery Communications. What you-
1: I think you're right. Malone said, made a good case, was lower, but I like it. Dennis is Dennis!
0: Yeah, Dr. Kramer. Dennis from Southern California. Okay. I'd
2: like to know your opinion about
1: Dropbox. Uh, both Dropbox and Slack have become too hard for me because I really believe that Tachi Nadella has an inform. He's the uh, unbelievable CEO at Microsoft. Steve in North Dakota, Steve! Mr. Kramer, calling you from the home of Carson Wentz. We're all Eagle fans this weekend. So, my stuff today is AIG. Oh, don't, Bye, don't put AIG in the same sentence as Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is a winner. He's to John. Ohio, John.
0: Hey, Jim. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and happy holidays. And God bless you, Jim, for oh, all you're doing for all us you. home
1: gamers out here. Thank you very much.
0: You're great, Jim. We love you. Thank you. Uh, hey, Jim, what's, with, what's going on with Alder X?
1: Oh, it's uh, one of these high multiple stocks. People don't like it right now, but it's replacing XL. I like it. I say go for it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round.
2: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: Before we go away for the holidays, I want to catch up with some homework. Every time I get a question about a stock that I can't answer on the spot, I always tell you I'm going to circle back to it later. I've got to do some more research. Now, sometimes we get unbelievably great ideas. That's what we're going to talk about today. For instance, we got Arrowhead, and we got InMode, which I mentioned earlier. These, I have to tell you, these were pretty exceptional, and I got them from you, and this is the most interactive show, so that's terrific. Let's get right to it. On November 21st, Trudy in Oregon called to ask about Alacos, and the symbol there is A-L-L-K uh, for all you home gamers. This is a development stage biotech. That means it doesn't make any money. Uh, it's focused on rare autoimmune diseases. Their lead drug, Antolimab, is a monoclonal antibody therapy that targets two types of white blood cells known as eosinophils, and mast cells. When your body has too many of these cells in one place, it causes potentially severe inflammation everywhere from your GI tract to your eyes, your skin, your lungs, and many other organs. A lead drug is currently in phase 2 trials. Remember, there are three phases altogether. Phase 2, eosinophilic gastritis, which is what happens when these white blood cells attack your intestines, and chronic urticaria, which is what happens when they go after your skin. So the company has what I could be called a pipeline in a product, a drug that could potentially treat a wide variety of rare diseases. And based on the data we've seen so far, it does a better job than the current standard of care, at least if the data is to be believed. On the other hand, Alakos is only developing this one drug, meaning they really have only one single shot on goal. I don't like speculating on that on one biotech with one shot on goal. I like lots of eggs in one basket <laughs> That's what it's really like. Uh, where's my, do I have my hockey stick? I should be using it because I use this phrase quite often. Shots on goal. If you have a stock with multiple shots on goal with biotech, it's much better than Alaco's. I, I, like, I like this one even less when the stocking question has run up dramatically. At the beginning of August, Alaco's saw its stock double. In a single day, when we learned that the phase two trial for the lead drug had met all of its primary and secondary endpoints, meaning the data was excellent. Over a period of three weeks, the stock surged from 31 to 90. Then the FDA gave them orphan drug status, which is what you want if you're making drugs for rare diseases. And the stock got another lift. But the biggest piece of news came less than three weeks ago when Bloomberg reported that a was, and I quote, exploring strategic options, including a potential sale. That allowed the stock to surge as high as nearly $140 earlier this month before hitting a wall earlier this week and coming back to earth. Although even after its recent pullback, the stock's still at 109 So what sent the stock plummeting roughly 25 bucks over the past three days? Well, first on Wednesday, a prominent short-selling outfit called Seligman Investments published a scathing 215-page report on Alakos, arguing that the phase two data that the company presented that got the stock really rolling in August was suspicious. Sullivan points out that Alakos didn't hire an outside contract research organization to manage this clinical trial, and most companies do do that, not all of them. Uh, Instead, they ran the trial themselves. That is okay, but it's not necessarily what, uh, let's just say, is as rigorous. did not mean they did anything wrong. Certainly means they had more opportunities, though, to fudge the data, uh, and that's a serious charge. That's exactly, though, what Sullivan says Alakos did. They hired scientists to scrutinize the data, and one of them flat out said, quote, it looks to me like they manipulated these numbers to look good, end quote. The scientist goes on to say, quote, the data is cherry-picked and dishonest, end quote, adding that, quote, and I'm quoting on this because it's really pretty serious charges. It's sketchy. You couldn't do this for a clinical publication. This would not be publishable. Holy cow. I have no idea whether there's any merit to these allegations. Maybe the Sullivan report's nonsense. But do you really want to take a chance with a stock that has catapulted from $31 to $109 in less than one month, in less than five months, in less than five months, and it only has one shot on goal? I mean, the stock's still up substantially from where it was trading before the takeover speculation started. And I'm pretty confident a lot of us won't be catching a takeover bid until they put these allegations to rest. So while Alakos has been a big winner, and it's still up nicely since Trudy asked us about it, this stock has become a total, unbelievable, nauseating, as far as I'm concerned, battleground that I don't want you in. Unless you're a doctor who specializes in these rare autoimmune uh, conditions, I don't see how you can have the conviction necessary to buy this one here. And if you own it, you know what I say? It's too hard. Ring the register one shot on goal and they're questioning that. That's a tough one. All right, I hop on the next one. Uh, next up, in December 6, Joe in New York asked about global blood therapeutics, and that symbol is GBT. This is a biopharma company focused on blood disorders. Their lead drug is a once-a-day pill for sickle cell anemia, and it just got approved by the FDA. Sickle cell is c- conditioned where your red blood cells bend out of shape and can't carry as much oxygen as they, as they should, oh boy, this one's got severe consequences. But global blood's drug inhibits the underlying cause of the disease. This would be remarkable. There are about 100,000 people with sickle cell disease in the U.S., most of them African American. Millions more suffer from it worldwide. This is a huge, underserved, and in-pain market. And the data so far looks very, very promising. Over the past couple of months, global blood stock has caught fire, surging from just under 48 bucks at the end of October to 77 today. What happened? The FDA approved their sickle cell drug about a month ago. This is the first ever treatment for the root cause of the disease. And that is a big deal. No wonder the stock worked. Then just yesterday, JP Morgan initiated coverage of the stock with an overweight rating, meaning a buy and a $90 price target. They're betting that this sickle cell drug will handily beat expectations next year. You know what? It was a very compelling piece. They made a strong argument for it. So, even though Global Blood Therapeutics has run, I actually like it here. Obviously, I'd like it more in a pullback, but I like it. The key drug has already been approved, which means you don't have to worry about the FDA yanking the rug out from underneath this. And I wouldn't be surprised if the stock market is underestimating the scale of the demand for a real sickle cell anemia treatment. I grew up and never thought this was possible. Maybe they've got it. The real deal, FDA says yes. Still, ideally, maybe you wait for a pullback to the low 70s or uh, high 60s. Maybe put on a small position right here, like J.P. Morgan would argue, then wait for it to give you a better entry point if the market sells off. Great concept, great product. But we hate to chase your man money, so proceed with caution if you're planning to buy it. But I think it's the real deal. Stick with Craig. Got two rivals. AMD and NVIDIA. Both stocks are on fire. AMD's going to have better than expected numbers, I think, because of Intel's problems. And NVIDIA is seeing a re-acceleration of the data center, which is terrific news for them. I know there's also Tesla, and you love Tesla. But for me, AMD and NVIDIA are the ones to buy. I like to say there's always a more market somewhere. I promise I'll try to find it just for you right here Mid Money. I'm Jim Cramer, I will see you
0: Monday!